You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. Welcome to the Sacred Collective, where we have honest conversation and no judgment. Discuss theology and current events in an open and thoughtful setting. Say things that you are too afraid to say in church. We welcome your beliefs. We welcome your ideas. Join us. Find us online at ScreamingPods.com, on iTunes at The Sacred Collective, on Twitter, Sacred underscore MN, and on Facebook, Sacred Collective Twin Cities. Out of, like, all the tattoos that I have, the ones, the one that has gotten the most vocal praise are the twins. Uh, the shining twins. Everywhere I go, they're like, Holy God, it's the twins! Like, <laughs> I never knew. I never knew there was such such love and like they were such like an iconic symbol. It's true. I wanted those pops where they're all bloody. Oh, I like how they're faceless too. Should I go for five hundred bucks? Five hundred. I would sell them for five hundred. Oh boy. Ready? Yeah, we're already recording. We are recording? Yep. Oh. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe edit that out. We don't edit things, Brian. So. Yeah, we do. If a lot of people are listening, we'll edit. Okay. Okay, Dad. Well, welcome. <laughs> Shut it. Papa Brian. Don't make well, it, it, well, it is Father's Day on Sunday. Papa Brian, were you listening? So, welcome to the Sacred Collective. Uh, like, two minutes in. Uh, we're going to talk about Prophecy. Caleb, you kind of threw out some ideas, and I thought prophecy was cool. And I did a little bit of research. Um, I'm not going to get too deep, but I have some questions to steer us. Got some notes. So hopefully, there's some UCC people listening. After the UCC conference last week, that was pretty sweet and epic, and got some shout outs. We love you. Hi. We love you, and keep listening. Hello. Uh, <laughs> oh, before oh, we before we start talking about prophecy, let's do roll call. Are we ready? This is Brian. I'm Kayleen. I'm Caleb. I'm Angela. I'm Joshua. Amanda. And Ava. Ava. Ooh, doo, doo, doo. Say hi, Ava. She's waving. <laughs> she's waving. She can't. Oh, she's she's waving. So she's Ava. She just Look at her. her. Yeah. Ava's, Ava's present. So. Aww. We're gonna talk about prophecy. So my first question. I don't get as long-winded or is not long-winded as you want what is in your opinion prophecy oh what you were either taught about it what you think about it now uh any of that mm-hmm. business i'll kick it off because i've, I've thought, kind of thought about this a little bit um to me i used to think prophecy was like a set in stone event that's going to happen in the future that has already been predetermined to me now, I the only way that I can still relate with the idea of prophecy is that thank you, Ava, that's the point. Is that uh, I think prophecies are, are reoccurring. I think that they're just like observational truths, like the prophecy of the Antichrist, for example. I think they're like anti-love. I'm gonna. I guess I, I shouldn't get political, but a certain president that we currently have, whose name starts with T and ends with P, so I'm not gonna get specific. But uh, I'd say he is anti-love, anti-Christ. I think that prophecies are observations that just kind of keep keep happening and are, are kind of uh, universal truths, maybe. President Trelum. That's a good point, because... Um, Trey. Um, is Trey. it like over 80% of evangelicals voted for this teabag? 
And, oh, uh, tea bag. <laughs> still weed. And so the righteous are supposed to be deceived by the overlord, right? Oh, oh, so oh. says the atheist. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so 80% of devout Christians have the wool pulled over their eyes, as we say. Um, I think that's a pretty good indication. I mean, I'm not saying that's actually the case. Right. Um, but I could see how someone looking at apocalyptic literature would think that. Mm-hmm. It would be like... My, my mom voted for this guy, and I think he's the Antichrist. Yeah, right. So we're going to start a new thing. He has a barcode tattooed on his neck. Yeah, a barcode. Remember that? Do you guys remember the barcode tattooed on his nads? Remember the documentaries? Um, it was like in the same era as, what was it, like the Bible Matrix or whatever, like where they had, it was like, oh, it predicted Jimmy or JFK's death or whatever. But, um, when they would say that every bar... I saw a documentary about how every barcode on the food that we buy reduces to 666 mathematically. And they're like, these are the end times. I think it's everyone always thinks code. that they're so in... Yeah, the Bible code. So everyone so thinks they're in the end times. So is up the devil? Yeah. Gotta go yeah. back to the barter system. But I think, like, my my grandparents were always like, oh, it's the end times, it's the end times. My parents were always like, it's the end times, mm-hmm. it's the end times. My friends were like, it's the end times. So I th- but I think there's maybe some truth to that, that it's always... The end times, like it, it's a reoccurring, it's a cyclical they, thing. They thought it was the end times right after Jesus died. It's I always close yeah. to the end of someone's time. And didn't Jesus say, "I'll be back," before, like time. before you're dead? Before this generation is passed, I'll be back. I'll be back. Yeah. So, well, Jesus didn't say that. Whoever wrote that gospel, right? Hey, right. hey Josh. But they attributed it to Jesus, but yeah. we don't know if Jesus really said it. Right. Well, we don't really know <laughs> much of about Jesus. Anyway, well, I had not have my camcorder there when he was around. So yeah. I did. Anybody else want to? Take a stab at pro- what prophecy is to them. I would. Oh, go ahead first, though. Oh, yeah. um, I always have. I've kind of been. <laughs> I'm like pigeonholing myself as like the one with the weird stories on this podcast. <laughs> I'm always like, people are like, what's hell like? And I'm like, I watch this weird TV show. Like, it's always, it's never hair metal. I tried hair to metal. YouTube and search like, for that and I couldn't find it because uh, I want to find it. Yeah, I tried to Google for like other, because it was a man and a woman, not Regis and Kathy Lee, and I tried to look for like bogus Regis and Kathy Lee and I couldn't find it. And it made me so angry. Um, but I do have kind of a weird anecdote about prophecy. Um, so in my Christian music days, I was really, really, really good friends uh, with this insanely conservative band um, that lives up north in Minnesota, and they invited me to like this this spiritual healing thing. Oh, yeah. and like, like I laying of hands. Yeah, and I. Whatever. I, like, never been to something like that, and the lady was, like, saying she saw prophecies of, like, people in the room who were gonna heal this girl who was in a wheelchair, and it ended up being, like, me and my friends. So she, like, invited us up front to, like, lay hands on this girl in a wheelchair, and she's like, do you feel the spirit? Do you feel it? And, like, what am I gonna be like? No, I don't. And yeah, then the right. girl in the wheelchair like starts crying, and I'm like, uh, sure. <laughs> and like, she was just like, I see you walking out um, of this chapel. And you know, and like all oh of us were God. like laying hands on this girl, and like it was terrifying. And 
I was like, please don't ever bring me to one of those again. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, when she like pointed us, she's like, you guys in that room. Yeah. I was like, shit. Uh, like, okay. and like now every time I hear prophecy, I just see this deranged woman at this thing who's like, I see you walking out right. of here in your from your wheelchair, and like oh, I just see. I just see like a yelly, crazed woman, crazed woman saying someone in a wheelchair is gonna walk. Like that's just what I associate with prophecy, just because that just happened. I think so. Angela from her hometown, there was this pastor who was coming through, who was starting a new church in hometown. It was like. New Life Church. Um, I'm not shitting it. There really is a New Life Church. I, 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 I know. New life but church. this guy was that was doing, Amanda's church. He grew up He was <laughs> doing the same. New thing. Life. He was trying to say that we were prophesizing. He said, "Does anybody out there have any pain?" And my friend raised his hand, and we looked at him like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Yeah, I got this neck pain. It's been really bothering me for the last couple of weeks." And the preacher was like, "Come up here, and you will be healed." Oh, and this Lord. is this is more like you know. This is a, a little bit away from prophecy, but he was saying, like, the Lord told me you would come here. And yeah, so, like, well, that's, he, yeah. he did, like, the laying of hands, put the hand on the forehead, and he was like, you shall be healed in the name of Jesus! And, uh, yeah, he that's just what, that's what, no, he, he Josh just pushed Angela to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ow! Ow! And she's slain in the spirit, is what the Pentecostal say. So, My neck, it's healed! <laughs> so he, yeah, that's what he did. He was like, he, like, fell down, like everybody else did, and he was like, yeah, my neck feels great. And then afterwards, me and my other buddy were like, did you seriously get, like, healed? And he was like, no. And we're like, why did you fall? And he's like, well, everyone else was. <laughs> and that's not powerful. He paid me $40. Lot. So that's how <laughs> like 20. slipped me at 20, so I <laughs> well, fell that's, down. That's how powerful peer pressure is. Yeah. 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 Afterwards, that. he was like, my something. neck still hurts just as bad. It hurts worse because I fell down on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> But this was the Owatonna Community Center that is part, oh, part of the Owatonna Community Free Fair. Yeah, yeah. So we were in this building, and the pastor had a Hummer. And the, uh, this was in, this was in, this, worse this was in like 2002. So like when Hummers kind of first, I mean, were a thing. Yeah, they were out for a little. Schwarzenegger was the first person ever had one. There's not, they're like not around Back when they guzzled the Earth's blood. Yeah. Oh wait, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. Um, still, he came so, out yeah. of the Hummer <laughs> with six supermodels. Getting the Hummer. Um, <laughs> let's do a charge fitness. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. But so he had the hunger. He and the, people who were part, the people who were part of his church were like, "Yeah, God wants me to look successful." Uh-uh. And he was one of those okay. pastors who would try. He would, he would always say he he knew the future and he knew it was going to happen. And he right. All this stuff is going on. And so when I think of prophecy, I I go back to actually a good spot, uh, not a bad spot. So when I think of prophecy, I think of uh, a casting of a vision for the future that will happen. So, whoever is in charge of the universe says, hey, I know things are shitty right now, but in the future, this is going to mm-hmm. happen. And your Messiah will come, or like, you will no longer be oppressed, you will no longer be slaves, you will no longer be this, you will no longer be that. So they're casting a vision for the future mm-hmm. of this will happen. And then, you know, hundreds of years later, or even two years later, someone's like, didn't he say that yeah. back then? And then that's how I see prophecy. Why is everything in the south to you? Yeah. Did he say that? Did he just say that? Oh my god! I apologize to anyone 
myself as a fan. Hey, fuck y'all, man. I, I, I was born and raised in the bluegrass state, so this is how I really talk. I've been personating y'all this whole time. Surprise! I, I don't know if I could take you seriously if you talk like that. So my name's Caleb, everybody. Hi. After about ten drinks, I do start talking. Like you, so we haven't talked about biblical prophecy yet. It's We're coming. coming. It's I, coming. That's what I, I want to get to because uh, three of us in this room have been to seminary. You can read my notes. Um, and I stood next to a seminary once. You did? <laughs> you, you did just as much good. I'm trying to. I skateboarded next to a seminary once. That's like random. <laughs> it's so random. She's like, I don't need to be in the seminary. I can skate by it. Backwards with my hitting the board for the Lord. <laughs> nice. But, so, do you want to get to that? Biblical prophecy. Yeah, well, sure, I can say it. But Does if anybody else wanted, yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah I do. Um, yeah. I told Brian we were talking about this earlier today. That when I hear prophecy, the first things that pop into my mind is you're reading in the Bible and you hear a sermon on. Well, this was prophesied, and you hear, oh, this was prophesied in the Old Testament, and it was fulfilled in the New Testament. You hear those different stories. But a big thing, too, is uh, growing up, our churches, they'd have revival services, and when you think about it, if something needs to be revived, that means that it's, like, dead or, like, near dead. Oh, I thought you were swatting up that bug from my face. (laughs) Brian is uh, laying hands. Yeah, we're on all me. laying hands. Yeah. This entire conversation, we've been laying hands. Everyone's next feeling me. Yes, <laughs> feels so much better. But no, I remember having revival services. You'd have like a speaker coming, and there was one particular time. I feel like I was in middle school or high school. Um, it was a speaker who came, so it wasn't like anyone from the church. But it was. It was around the time, if anyone's familiar with the big Pensacola revival, which, I mean, revivals could be like a little like special topic that we do sometime. I went That's down there yeah. twice yeah. with my church. I went there once with my church. I think it was around that time because I think they referenced it, but I remember the speaker saying that a big revival is going to break out within our country and it's going to start at our church and the world is going to know that something big is happening because you're going to see a flock mm. of eagles fly over oh, the God. city. Oh, really? They got that specific. Yes. Now, it if it was, was a flock specific. of seagulls, hey. hey. You will see a red car in the next two days right. so and it will mean you have a new romance. It's like a fortune cookie. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of times how you well, that's feel. What prophecy is you know, when, you, a when you hear like at churches, especially, I mean, revival services. You know, that's a whole other story. But when people are already in an emotionally and spiritually vulnerable environment, and then right. say this is going to happen or that is going to happen, then you know people are going to. Find like those signs for things are gonna. They're gonna, they're gonna find it, a yeah. way to make make some sense of it. And, if you're looking for it, you'll find you'll, it. Yes, right, exactly. Yeah, if yeah. you're looking for it, you know you're gonna find it. And so that's just the big thing that comes into my mind when I hear prophecy, and it it just kind of leaves this like bad taste in your mouth of you know like oh are they just saying this to get you know people's emotions going yeah. or you know how is it that. You know, how can we know that what they're saying is true? If they say, well, the Lord told me. Well, how do we know? How can we prove it? 
Right. Like, how many books have been written about when the rapture is going to happen? Like, right. oh, right. in the 80s. Yeah. The 88 Reasons. Yeah, 80, Pat Robertson wrote the book yep. 88 Reasons Why Christ Will Return in 88. Yeah. It's 2018. I think he was way off. Or we're all Christ and he's already come back, baby. Oh, baby. Or we're all in hell. Yeah. Or well, that. That's yeah. just as likely as it feels like that most of the time. God prophesied to me there is that, a hell and we're there. that we're all going to be in hell. <laughs> Kaylin, um, right do you want anything to say about before I jump into the next part? Prophecy was never a big part of the Lutheran tradition of my tradition at all. So I love your perspective. How it was you're never. Just, you're just in awe. We were never taught you're that. Just like, it this was, is crazy. Just, that it shit. was never. Well, and you know when I went to like when I was in high school, I went to like um, you know I did mission work at Cabrini Green and. That was as close to to some sort of like Pentecostal Lutheran like hybrid thing, which was really cool. It was amazing, and the wine was really really strong for communion. <laughs> but so that's a it was it was grape juice. That's a good no, it was point. super strong. <laughs> but that's wine. beside the point. It was, just it was it was prophecy was never some like thing that was part of my tradition. I really didn't start talking about. Prophecy until well, obviously there's the biblical piece, but then until I started hanging out with people who had a Pentecostal background, yeah, and then mm-hmm. there were more, you know, like people speaking in tongues and you know all those things. But then if you look at prophecy and like <laughs> the biblical thing, there's people that are you know supposed to kind of interpret things. It's part of the, you know there's there's supposed to be Prophets. some sort of you know thing that's set up in place to like you know I don't know. But I didn't really learn more about prophecy until I started studying Pentecostal traditions more. Yeah. So. That's definitely the place where you see it the most. <clears throat> it is the place like where you see it. Snake handlers it is, it love is. talking about, I prophesy to you. Like, I've heard that yeah. so many. I grew up in Kentucky, as we kind of referenced already. But, like, I've, I've had people who are adamant snake handlers come up to me and say, I prophesy to you that blah, 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 blah. Well, just like, here's the thing that whole section about snake handling. Probably wasn't originally there, and it was probably added way later. All those Kentuckians, but, yeah. Like, <laughs> when Jesus visited Kentucky, and he was like, "Hey, all the Catholics, Catholic just to weed out the weak." Because <laughs> if you're gonna actually handle the snake, it's like you're out. You I'm pretty sure that that wasn't originally there. Yeah, that movie the but, Yeah, when he goes to the snake handling church and the snake bites him, and he's like, "The cunning ass serpent bit me," and they're all like. That's how you get rid of the crazy motherfuckers in your congregation. Yeah, right. Yeah, they handle poisonous snakes. If, yeah. if someone was like, if you handle a poisonous snake, I'd be like, no! <laughs> what are you, nuts? What? And, Russian and, be, or left? and because in most of the Pentecostal traditions, the, there is a huge emphasis on individual, yes. you know, individual connection with God. And because of that individual connection with God, whatever one person has to say... Oh, hi, sweetie. Whatever one person has to say about whatever thing that they feel like God has said to them, mm. it then becomes something that is valid for everybody. It's canon. It becomes valid for everybody in that congregation, and I, I don't always know what to do That's with so that. Dangerous. It is very dangerous. It can be, and and I don't always know what to do with that thinking because it's definitely not something that I am necessarily familiar with. Nor is it something that I totally adhere to because of the fact that the when we come together with God it's a, it's about being together in a community mm-hmm. in a communal setting and when you take it and make it so individual it can be a very difficult thing 
I think. And that's just, you know, my opinion. So, <clears throat> what I'm going to say is this isn't about prophecy, but then I'll go into that. But since a man and I did grow up in the Pentecost tradition, because Assemblies of God is part of that umbrella of, of those traditions, is in the Assemblies of God, they're very, like, Holy Spirit centric, like mm-hmm. everything is the Spirit, Spirit, Spirit. Mm-hmm. But the other thing, and I think one of the reasons I kind of went away from it more was because it was so individualistic. It's like my personal relationship with the Lord, <laughs> my the way the Spirit talks to me, or the way God, you know, it was super individualistic. And then when you talked about community, when you talked about togetherness, it was always this really foreign. Thing to most people because they're like, well, I'm going to go down to the personal altar call because God is speaking directly to me. Yeah. And there's the important stuff of you have to get your own stuff right in your own life, whatever that is. But when you deal with, I feel like when you read the Bible, if you're a Christian and you read the Bible, you see where Jesus talks more about community more than anything. Yes. Family, community, and it's less about, you see people like Paul and Peter and other quote-unquote prophets or whoever, and it seems like they're more centric on themselves. Like, me, 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 me. But, Josh had brought up like more of the biblical thing when I was doing some research and found this kind of paraphrase it together, but what is prophecy? Prophecy is a message that is claimed by a prophet so anybody could say that they're a prophet. Yeah, that's very big. You know, like Amos was a prophet, for for instance. Josh, what are some other Old Testament prophets? Obadiah. Isaiah. Isaiah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Jeremiah. Like all these people were prophets. Deborah. Wasn't it? It was like Deborah was a prophet. Deborah, Deborah, she was a judge, but I'm sure she, she was, was. She was considered a prophetess. Too. And so yeah, was, prophetess. And, and so was. And so was Moses' sister, yeah. Miriam. She yeah. was also considered yeah. mm-hmm. a prophetess. So well. obviously we'll, we should make the, the mark that a prophet in the biblical times is drastically different when people are like in churches down there like, I'm prophet, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Completely oh, different. that title yeah. thing. Prophet it's, it's, to now it's like a title like pastor. Seminary? Yeah, yeah. Well, at, you should. At the seminary, at, maybe off... off off, uh, inter- not you don't inter- have to say their name. No, it was a huge whole thing at the college where I used to work. Anyway, <laughs> but a prophecy is a message that is claimed by a prophet to have been communicated to them by a god. To claimed to have been communicated by a god. Okay. To have it been just a a general check all these boxes. Yeah, that's what I said. By a god. So, so Christians other, were. So other religions besides Christians have prophets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that probably sounds super ignorant, but what? I, yeah, isn't, yeah. It, isn't it's it just, not ignorant? Isn't it's it just uh, Judeo or, or uh, uh, mosaic traditions? So, like the like, isn't it like Islam, Christianity, Christianity Islam, and Judaism? Judaism? I, I mean, I'm not. Gonna, think, there's not Hindu prophets. Like, I'm not going to speak to other religions that I don't know, but definitely the, the mosaic religions. Yeah. yeah, like you said, like Islam, Christianity, and. Judaism. Judaism will speak to the prophets or about prophets. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I studied Buddhism for a while, and there's there's no Buddhist prophets. Well, I think also there's multiple Buddhas. There's yeah. Thank you. Um, so I think in, in the biblical tradition, like my favorite prophet is Amos, um, and he's he speaks truth to power is what he does. Mm. Um, so I think 
being a prophet isn't something that stopped at any point. Speaking truth to power is a very important part of society moving towards justice, moving towards mutuality, moving towards something better. And so, like, Amos spoke truth to power, and of course he got killed. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when people were like, yeah, Martin Luther King was assassinated, of course he was. Because he spoke truth to power. He spoke yeah. truth to power. I mean, he did. and no matter how... Um, what you want to think about any historical figure and how difficult their life could be because anyone who's not basically a deity like Jesus people just tear down and be like yeah but he also had a bad personal relationship with his wife or, you know what right, I mean right. like try he to make, smoked he yeah, got try, drunk yeah, he whatever. try to make him look so like Jesus. the asshole um, and like Martin Luther King is his, he's been character assassinated oh, yeah. ever since he was you know even before he was actually assassinated yeah yeah true but when you call you call out the powers that be and you shed light on the injustices that happen in society and you don't back down, of course you're going to die. So I think there's lots of prophets that we don't know about um, that have spoken to power all over the world who stood up like the, I mean, this is a weird example, but the guy at Tiananmen Square, the guy who stood up to the tanks. Oh, totally. No one ever saw him oh again. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. But, like, he was a prophet. He stood up and spoke truth to power. Like even, even though he didn't speak, he did something with himself that we've all seen. It wasn't even our society. You know, it, was, you know, it wasn't even our culture. But yeah. I've seen that, and, like, people say, this is what courage looks like. Would you say someone like Joan of Arc would be a prophet then? Or, like, St. Patrick? Because mm, they spoke, like, truth to power. And stood up and I would say St. Patrick for sure. I don't. I think I would disqualify um, Joan of Arc because of all the violence. But that that could just be me being a pacifist. Or how about St. Francis? Yep, I would. Yeah, St. Francis. Totally. Um, um, for sure, Dorothy Day. Oh heck yeah! You know, um, Simone Bay. Mm-hmm. You know, she Yeah. Why not? Well, because going with the, I didn't finish the the definition when I found, but like what it, what it says there, a prophet is to. A message that has been claimed by a prophet to have been communicated to him or her by a god. Such messages typically involve inspiration, interpretation, or revelation, which all that revelation means like an unveiling to them, of divine will concerning the prophet's social world and events to come. All all known ancient cultures had prophets who declared prophecies. That's the widest possible net you could cast. <laughs> but that is what I found for like an overarching view of, yeah. of prophecy. I can't argue with that. So, I mean, do we agree with that? Is that a pretty good... I think the important piece to remember in that is that it was always done within community. Yes. That it was, and that it was done with interpretation mm-hmm. as well. And I think that that sometimes gets lost yeah. in translation, so to speak. Because... It should be in community, and it should be impacting the people that are a part of that community. Yeah, right. For sure. You know, like, I don't know, I just think of the biblical prophets. They were speaking to the people that they were talking to in their con- right. their culture, in their context. Whatever it was yeah. that was going on in their day. And, and it was important stuff. Even, uh, like, okay... Like, even when Nathan called out King David for sleeping mm-hmm. with Bethsheba, and then it makes me think of King George and the Ducky because I went to. Oh, I went to VeggieTales. I went to VeggieTales, and I know I did. But I love King George and the Ducky, though. It's so cute and sweet and adorable. I want the duck. What's this? 
I don't know. <laughs> I love that you know the song. I this want that duck. <laughs> Wait, what? Remix? Bass trouble. No, it's okay. It's okay. I love, I, I, I love that you know the song, but I don't know the song. I, I just love that they took the well, story. I know, I should totally. I know, I know the hairbrush song more. Even oh, though Larry doesn't have hair. I have one spot for the cheeseburger song. I, I also love... My other cheeseburger. I also love... I'll wait for you. Sorry. Uh, oh. sorry. To help us I talk about profits. I'm sorry. Deranged um, it. No, I know that. Bring that back. Bring it back. So let's see if we can accompany this with the song by Seth Mountain and the Menders, Amos. Have you guys heard Amos' mm-hmm. song? You showed that to me. Um, push pause. And let's listen to it quick. Okay. Because we're not recording, I have to ask you guys... How many times have you ever Amos was a rebel? Never. Uh, <laughs> nope. Please Has tell me. Done? Please tell me we're not recording. No, we're not recording. I've Amos was. <laughs> we're not a Who wins when you? Amos was. <laughs> what kind of pod? Why are you guys actually? What kind of sex podcast this is? Sacred Collective just turned into a sex podcast. I'm self-destructive, so I like to set myself up. You mean to come over there real quick, Amanda? Well, Hopefully we're not recording. He is. Are you recording? <laughs> Are you serious? Just me. Just my dirty shit, not your dirty shit. Record that shit. Yep. <laughs> Caleb, seriously. Okay. Yeah. So Are you for real? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Caleb. So question. I know. It's a problem. When you, when you yeah. Hear, I have. It is a problem you okay. have, isn't it? Yeah, that doesn't matter. Um, I know it doesn't matter. All the sexual stuff just cut that out. I'm serious. Okay. Please, please. I'm sure, Dad. Yeah. Well, especially, like uh, you said, since there's a lot of UCC people yeah. listening to. Come on. Well, we can't cater just them. I know. Yeah, but we need someone. I don't yeah. care about so we should. Are we about to sell out right now? Yeah, we're going to sell out. You're so serious. You're so worried. Don't be worried. They love this stuff. Like it's that. just me, though. It's just me. Yeah, okay. I am the agent of chaos. You guys are all clear. <laughs> um... So are we recording now? Yes. So we were recording earlier. We just too. listened to a song by Seth Martin. Uh, it was formerly Seth Martin and the Menders. I think now it's just Seth Martin by himself. Um, but he wrote a song called Amos about the prophet Amos, and we just used it as a like a starting point, a stepping off point for what a prophet looks like to us. Um, but it's a great song. It's yeah, it's very very moving, very chilling. Um, Mark Van Seemick did a podcast called the Iconocast with Seth Martin and the Menders after they did a concert in uh, Minneapolis many years ago, which was fantastic because they talked about how music is actually revolution and how having a uh, baby's first podcast. Um, I think four or fifth, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, she's been on a lot of podcasts. She, she's revolution. A hey. You know what I say about that? Real life. Real life, baby. Real life. Yep. Because I've been a lot of people who have kids that they can't do something like this. Yeah. Absolutely can. Amen. Prophesy. It's like that guy that had to kiss that person to his, <laughs> during, the, during his interview. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's totally viral now, by the way. Anyway, sorry. I don't know what that is. I know. You looked at me very confused. Have you heard uh, Mark Maron interview Gallagher? And Gallagher storms out in the middle of the interview. Really? <laughs> Uh, Watermelon Gallagher. Yeah, destroys produce Gallagher. Yeah. Oh, okay. You don't know who I'm talking about? No. No. I'm thinking, like, some of my friends that... Like, like it's some like watermelon! Yeah, like an 80s comedian who would, yeah. like, take a sledgehammer, yeah. sledgehammer of food. 
very that was his bizarre. bit. That was the whole thing. He did. Why did he storm out? Uh, because Mark Maron got too real with him. He was calling him out and being like, "What's what's really good? Like, what's up, man?" And and Gallagher was trying to put on a front and it just got too real. So he he stormed out. Yeah. I don't think that's what prophets do. Call people out. Well, I think um, like um, a prophet that maybe people could relate with would be like John Stewart. Um, he left The Daily Show because he said he was too damn mad mm. because it wasn't funny to him. He was reporting on all this political stuff and all these things are really affecting our country and he was making fun of them because they were ridiculous. But he was so angry about them because he knew that the things he was joking about would end up destroying our country in certain ways. And so he left. Yeah, that was sad. Th- this is exactly how I feel inside all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a sad thing. <laughs> um... But, uh, do you, like, do you think comedians in some ways have taken the role of the prophet? Absolutely, yes. Because, like, the yes. jester has always been a, a point of, like, the jester sure. can say things yeah. that are true, yeah. but without. people without well, repercussions. Yes. Right. And, and there's still, still, there still repercussions. People still get angry at them for saying things. Yeah. Just listen to what show the late show. What's the guy? I don't know. John Stewart? John Stewart. I mean, just... Or John Oliver. Yeah, now it's Oliver. Sorry, the little little one doesn't want to go to bed, even though she's tired, so... It's real. It's real and raw. Yeah. With babies. Do you want me to cut that out, just like my talking? (laughs) Here's something. Now I have to cut this out, too, if I cut the original part out. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Can we record? Let's start over. Okay. Brian is so upset with me. We're not friends anymore. (laughs) Who are you? You're dead to me. Uh, No, the one thing I was going to say, continuing on, biblically saying what what it is, the New Testament describes prophecy as one of the spiritual gifts Mm. given by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you talk about prophecy all over the Old and New Testament, so I'm just taking bits and pieces out. And Paul in 1 Corinthians teaches that prophecy is for the benefit of the whole church and not just the individual. And I think, Kaylin, you said that when, you know, like you said when you've read about prophecy and you, you know, mm-hmm. in the scripture and it does talk about that. So I think even Paul, you know, it's quite, I think it's when they do talk about prophecy in the New Testament. It's taken in consideration with yep. all of the other things that people do in the church. If you look at First Corinthians thirteen, it's not just the it's not just the marriage, the marriage verses. It's also about how we function together as the body. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's really about. I think the key word that you said to me was community. Yes. How the prophet is speaking into the community, and I think a lot of times, in especially in the New Testament, the word church can be switched out with the word community. Well, so they see it. Yeah. 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 Ecclesia. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's just kind of basic, you know, parts that I found in there. I mean, there's all over. I do like that that first kind of what I read about. It was open, quite open about what prophecy is. I do like this quote I found or this little bit. Um, according to Walter Brueggemann, Brueggemann, not Brueger, not Brueggemann's bagels. Makes me hungry. Walter Brueggemann, who's also a shameless plug, UCC. Uh, he says the task of a prophetic Christian ministry is to nurture, nourish, and evoke a consciousness and perception alternative to the consciousness and perception of the dominant culture. Mm, a recognized okay. form of Christian prophecy is the prophetic drama, 
which Frederick Dillstone describes as a metaphorical conjunction between present situations and future events. It sounds synonymous with a revolutionary, with someone who's opposing the powers that be, for good reason. She's so she's so tired. Um, what do we think about Walter Brueggemann's quote? Besides being revolutionary, just keep going. We don't need dirty folk. I don't. So, what are we asking? What is the question again? I'm sorry. I what that quote? What I just read? Yes. What do you think about speaking in speaking into community and, and being and a contra the the powers that be? Thank you. I'm sorry, I was listening, but I was also trying to, you know, make faces at your daughter at the same time. I'll say it again. According to Walter Brueggemann, the task of prophetic Christian ministry is to nurture, nourish, and evoke a consciousness and perception alternate to the consciousness and perception of the dominant culture. A recognizing form of Christian prophecy is the prophetic drama, which Frederick Dillstone describes as a metaphorical conjunction between present situations and future events. Sounds like a hopeful outlook. Just trying to make make things better than they are. Um, yeah. Well, to nurture and nourish and evoke actually seems sort of the opposite of prophecy. It feels like prophecy comes out of oppression, not out of privilege. Yeah. And so yeah. I think a lot of places that try to nurture a spirit of... They wouldn't call it resistance, they would call it progress. Um, but I think what humanity really needs is resistance, not just progress. Like, we lie to ourselves to think that we can just make things better for others in the existing society we have. Um, like, working with the poor, it's not uh, like, we'll just make their lives a little better and they'll be fine. It's There's such a gap between the poor and the rich in this country that it's insurmountable. And it doesn't matter how much the rich say, well, we're, we're going to build better schools and do stuff. The inequality is so drastic mm-hmm. that it's two different planets. It's almost two different species. Yeah. We're not even talking about color. We're not talking about where you grew up. We're not talking about your value. We're talking about there are two just almost different species where you've got these billionaires and then you've got the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Just because you're a billionaire doesn't mean I have to listen to a goddamn thing you have to say. Right. You know? So does does that make prophecy recyclable in that once the oppressed become privileged, then there's somebody new who's oppressed, and then they have to re- revolt, and then they become privileged, and then is it cyclical well, in, that, in that way? If, if if we keep doing what we're doing, yes, I think it'll just always be the same. There'll just be another group that comes up and comes down and goes. Goes forward, but there's always somebody who's being stomped on. But I think the true prophet is someone who says there will be, there's going to be a reckoning, where there's going to be a time where we're all mutual, and so you, peeing in your golden toilet, have to reckon with someone who's being peed on, mm-hmm. you know, and the you have to shower. come together. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I mean, before, we were just talking about sex trafficking, a forced golden shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot different than we paid for it. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's slavery. Yeah. And I, so, at some point, the slaves and the masters are going to have to be in the same room together and be equal. And I don't think our society is willing to do that. I don't think our oh, yeah. society is there. I don't think. I don't even think with two hundred years of progress. I mean, if the slave and the master are in the same room, you're going to. I'm going to root for the slave to kill the master, and that's not being equal. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, I would too. 
Well, being poor, I mean, it's it's hard to, yeah. to look at the rich as anything but uh, takers. Yeah. And, like, I want to look at people as givers, and life is a gift. But when you've got so many takers, life isn't a gift. And time isn't a gift. Time is torture. Mm. So we are in hell. Yeah, let's get, let's get real depressed. Well, I think when I when I'm just talking about prophecy, where I look at within prophecy is speaking truth to power. When you look at yeah, I and mean, like was Amos a prophet? Absolutely. And I'm not I'm looking out of not the biblical context, but more current, mm. you know, within like social. Yeah, more social. I would say there's definitely prophetic people speaking or who have spoke. So when I look, like we talked briefly about like MLK Jr. We talked about, you know, other people like Dorothy Day. I feel like those people are prophetic because I don't look at prophecy as something, yes, it happened in the Old Testament. We talked about even Nathaniel or Nathan when he came to David. Like that's a prophet (laughs) and that needed to be said. So I do think that, but I'm not, personally for me when I look at prophecy... I don't, not that I don't care about what the Old Testament or New Testament says about prophecy, but how is stuff more relevant to me dealing with it? And yeah. I think for me, prophecy or being a prophetic voice, I like that more than just like I'm a prophet, but a prophetic voice is speaking truth to power. You're seeing gross injustice happening no matter what it is. And just calling it what it and, is. Yeah, and calling it out, calling it BS, calling it this. To me, that is more, that's why I wanted to talk about prophecy. Because I think that's more prophetic in a prophetic model than what you saw a prophet yeah. back in mm-hmm. Bible well, times. This isn't a prophecy, but I hope one day the word billionaire is synonymous with slaveholder. Mm-hmm. Like it's a word that will just disappear or become so disgusting that we can't stomach it anymore. But it's just not. It's not a reality. Because like if you in America would like, I'm I want to be a slave owner. Yeah, everyone <laughs> around you would be like. Nowadays, yeah, right, but yeah. then you know, a hundred years ago, they'd be like, "Dope, bro." <laughs> yeah, and I, the same thing. Everyone just lords over a billionaire. Billionaires are like, oh "My yeah. God, he's a billionaire." It's only for time. The first female billionaire, the first African American billionaire, yeah. which is Dr. Dre, by the way. Shout out. Um, oh, but you just do a gang sign. No, that's just, <laughs> I know. I was, I, was, I, was, I was exaggerating. That's funny. Um, but I don't know. If, he's never said anything really publicly about being a billionaire. And I wonder if he doesn't even like it, you know? Do you think that the role of prophet could be given to someone who just, like, let's say that, let's say that, for example, what you just said about billionaires and slaveholders does come true. Would that make you permanently a prophet, or is prophet, like, more of a... A state of being that you that you pass through. Like, are you are you always a prophet? Does that mean that every single thing that comes out of your mouth is from God? I, I wouldn't certainly think so. I think that anyone can be a prophet in a given day, mm-hmm. as long as they. I think a, a prophet speaks against injustice. It speaks about oppression. It yeah. speaks about um, telling people in authority the truth. Yeah. And not just say, oh, yes, sir, you're in, you're in charge, mm-hmm. so I'll do whatever you want. So you could be a prophet one second, and the next second just be talking at your ass. Yeah. Uh, well, most of the prophets were. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I like that. You know, if the Lord spoke through Balaam's ass, why can't he speak through you? Whoa. You know? Oh. How did we plan this? We did. This was written, we have writers here at the Sacred Collective. <laughs> yeah, they're called uh, uh, Spawn, uh, Legolas, uh, Gandalf, and Treebeard. And uh, Logan? 
Yep, Logan. Yep, he's up there. Yeah. Thanos. Peter Parker. Ooh, ooh, don't cut that one out, Thanos. No, I don't know. Um, does anyone have anything else to say about profits? Um, I'm always skeptical of profits. Yeah. Um, I value... I mean, I feel like this kind of... Actually, okay, I'm skeptical of profits who have long lives. I think it's a long that way. No, long lives. Because most, most people are actually <laughs> telling the truth. Um, they don't tend to live long. Or they tend to be ostracized for the rest yeah. of their community because telling the truth is hard and mm-hmm. it doesn't get you many friends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the pretense of us being here is the life of Jesus. And I think within some very broad definition of the term, we would all agree that Jesus was a prophet and he was obviously killed, you know, maybe a third of the way through his natural life. And that's kind of like, that's just the theme. Even if we don't still subscribe to that, that's what we were all brought up with. Like, this is the essence of life. This is morality. And so being a martyr, I think, is uh, is a heavy concept. And I think that prophecy is an important concept. Even if I don't define it anywhere within the range that I used to define it as a conservative Christian. And maybe those two are linked, being a prophet, being a martyr. I think, I think, yeah, it's probably inevitable, like you were saying. Like, you, you don't have a long lifespan. Most of the biblical prophets were killed. Yeah. Fairly early on. Yeah, Jesus. True story. <laughs> true story. So there's a, I mean, if you like, look at all of the people, anybody who tries to call out those who are in power are not going to survive yeah. very long. Because, because the people the have people, power, the people so they can kill are, you. The people, well, yes, that is true, too. But the people who have power don't want to be called out. They want to continue in their state of power and whatever power that looks like, and they want to keep it. That's sure. why, why when we call things out at the government level, when we call things out in churches, when we call things out, you know, when when people are having an affair in the church or whatever, whatever it is that it is, nobody wants to. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that actually. But just no, roll with it. It's good. Nobody wants to 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 call. You know, nobody wants to be called out. Yes. Nobody wants to be called out. And so when you're in power and you get called out, some people choose to murder those who are who are calling you out. Mm. Mm. Okay, this may be opening a, a new can of worms, oh boy. but this isn't that bad. Can okay. Don't worry. Okay. I know that you're looking out for me. <laughs> I guess but, I am. But um, is. Is being a prophet, how is that different from casting the first stone? How is the sin of the prophet less heavy, less weighty than the sin of the oligarchy, of the of, of those in power, of the 1% that the prophet is calling out? How is that not casting the first stone at somebody? Like, I'm not defending no, the 1%. I'm just saying, how is how are they more just, more sinless, more blameless and in a position to call out those in power. Huh, that's a good question. I hadn't really thought about that. Me neither. <laughs> it's a it's a valid point. So I had something I totally lost it. You lost it? Mm-hmm. I'm back. Oh um, hey Brian. Hey. Welcome to the Sacred My uh, my daughter's uh acting the fool. Today. No, she's acting like a little baby. Well, she's acting she like is. a normal baby. So. She's not wanting to go to bed. Because probably so many people. I don't want to go to bed either. 
she's a very she's she's an extrovert, Brian. She well, maybe Josh, you can speak to this, but one thing that came to my head when we were when I was coming up with some notes today is you're more friends with them than let's say me, but Mark Van Steenwijk's uh, Center for Prophetic Imagination. Let's talk about what that means. Can we tie that into prophecy? Is he speaking truth to power? Is he? I know some of the stuff that he's doing, but I know like you, you helped out at his fundraiser. I know I was there too in support, but I really, when I was thinking about prophecy, just him and his what he's doing. His I could totally see that. I don't know if totally what you call that. his ministry, his gathering. I don't know verbiage you would use, mm-hmm. but. He's, I do really think the Center for Prophetic is, Imagination is he's really an incredible thing. Like, and what he's yeah. doing, what I've always appreciated what he's done, is calling truth to power. And, you know, so I don't I know totally if you want to speak to that or if anybody wants to. Well, their vision is they're working to live in a world where walls of alienation are torn down and people live justly with each other, with the land and with the spirit of life. Um and that's worded very carefully because they're careful people. They know they're treading on people's toes. They they know that what they say isn't popular. And um, like Mark doesn't make very much money. I mean, the most he's ever made in his life for a year is like eighteen thousand dollars. It's the most like he's ever made. Wow. Um, so if anyone wants to talk about his integrity, like they can go fuck themselves. Yeah. Yeah. He. I think. He, in a world with so much uh, excess, he is a man governed by integrity, and so his integrity has kept him from doing a lot of things that would make him a lot of money, and and I think that's really hurt him. Like not I don't I don't not personally, but hurt him financially. Mm. Like Mark could easily be a very well known author of a you know mega church somewhere with totally. his own fucking private jet. Yeah, yeah right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And not just because he's charismatic and not just because he's sexy as hell. Um, <laughs> but not, Amen. Those are both true. That's awesome. Yeah, but not because uh, of But because he is so well spoken, he's so well read, he he is on another level. He's one of my only friends who um, when I talk to him, I think that I'm being schooled by a rabbi. Um, but when I, I actually, in seminary, I asked him to be my mentor, and he said no. He's like, we have a shared theological memory. I think we should just be friends. Wow. And he doesn't even remember saying that. He was like, that sounds like I'm full of shit there. We <laughs> <laughs> have a shared theological memory. Yeah, he's just such That's a good so dude. Awesome. That's a good life. <laughs> such a good dude. Has such a good family. Has done so much to bring light to the struggles of the poor, the oppressed, and the downtrodden, and as expected, has gotten no real, you know, kickback. He's authored a couple books, you know, had a successful podcast, done a lot of things. Like, he was doing the podcast thing before podcasts were cool. Um, he was doing like eight or nine years ago. And, like, he interviewed people like Cornell West and uh, Stanley Hauerwas and uh, Norm Chomsky, like, actually interviewed Wow. Them. Well, like, because now there's like Chomsky. thousands of people who are trying to get these people, so they just really have to weed out, you know, the things. But back then, you know, Norm was like, you want to interview me for what? You know, like, okay, I'll do it. And so they had these great interviews. And the Cornell West interview is very good, actually. I'd go back to the Iconocast and listen to that. Um, but Mark's always been ahead of the curve as far as churches go by, like, 20 years. But Mark's never really wanted to do a church because the politics, the money, everything that gets laid to it, he just wants to 
tell the truth. And I think what his center is trying to do is he's trying to so now so Mark's in his forties and he in certain ways feels like he's a failure, which he's not by the way, but I mean psychologically we all have the things that get there. So he feels like any everything he's done hasn't been as big as it should have been. Um, especially for the content that he supported, which should have just been blowing people's minds. But every the, the institutions that he was involved with, because he grew up very conservative, and so most of the institutions he's involved with wouldn't not only would not let him speak, but wouldn't let him teach there. And he's like, wait, wait, you gave me a degree, but I can't, I can't yeah, speak right. here. And like, so you, you, don't think, you don't think your education is good enough to let me? Just because he was, he, he's been above it and beyond it, and like I'm. And I'm really blessed to have him as a friend, and it's it's hard for me to see the struggles he's gone through, like fighting the good fight, mm-hmm. and just getting shit on by everybody. Um, or it's not even shit on. It's like he'll have professors who will come from nice, prestigious seminaries and say, "You're doing a really good job, but we can't support you in any way that would deface our name." Mm-hmm. So <laughs> he's had a lot of great. Uh, Institutions say we really love what you're doing, but we can't have, be any part of it. It's like why? Oh, because what you're doing would cause us to lose funds. It's too real. Yeah, and not too real. Um, well, maybe just too honest. But yeah, that's funny. Yeah. But, I don't know. I mean, so much love to the Center for Prophetic Imagination, Minneapolis, but give us some money. Yeah, they don't have. That. <laughs> Give them money. Uh, anyone who wants to do Patreon for us, just give money. Just, just give it to yeah, money to them. Uh, he will do ten times more than you could ever do in your lifetime. Um, yeah, but like I, I could talk about Oregon Semic for a while, but I don't need to. I think if you want to look up him online, do it. Look into his stuff. Uh, check it out. Pick up his book, The King of God, or his breviary. Um, or uh, Wolf at the Gaze. Yep. Yes, children. He also wrote a children's book. The guy is a very versatile. Um, he's all over the place in a good way. Um, but yeah, he he's doing work that just needs to be supported by so many of us. Like I've donated to his you know cause, but like I don't have that much money. So like a fifty dollar donation to me is like, well, no, I can't go out tonight. Yeah, you know. But for you know some rich guy, I'd be like, oh, is that what my toothbrush costs? Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> this one's wet. The other one. <laughs> yeah. That's my sock fund for the week. Yeah. For the day. Yeah. So I guess the last thing I'll say is is prophecy still relevant for us today? After everything we've talked about with what we understand about prophecy, we've talked about speaking truth to power. I still think it's relevant. It has to be. Why does it have to be? There has to be because who else is going to speak the truth into what's happening right now? So you mean prophets, not prophecy. Okay, maybe I do mean prophets and not prophecy. I think it really depends on how we define these terms. Yeah, true, true story. But I, I do think that that there needs to be people who are speaking truth. The, I think part of why that's so difficult right now is because social media... Every, you can't do anything on social media without somebody like, eh, that was awful, or, eh, you know, like, why do we need to, like, break each other down all the time? But that's a whole other yeah. tangent. We should do a podcast on that sometime. Can't yeah. have warrants. On social media? Oof. Oof. 
Oh, yeah, I have tons, tons of things to say about yeah. that. We just have weeks and weeks of information we can just talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody, were you done? I don't know. Yeah, I'm done. I don't know where Anybody I'm else with that, it, but... I think you just have... I know I've been talking a lot this episode, but I think there's a big asterisk next to the terms prophet and prophecy. Like, are prophets necessary? Is prophecy necessary? Because it depends on how you define that. Like, yeah. I can define that in a way to where I'd say, yeah, absolutely. I could also define that in a way to where I'd say, no, it's fuck dead. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think um, prophets, in my mind, are just revolutionaries who are just basically saying, hey, something's wrong, we need to change it. Well, maybe we just need um, new verbiage. Yeah, yeah right. Sure. I, agree. I agree. But I think, yeah. yeah, but being a prophet, I think, doesn't have anything to do with telling the future. It has to do with standing up to what's right. Right. Mm. And standing up to what's wrong and saying, this isn't right, we need to fix it. I don't know how we do it, but I'm just calling it out. And so, calling out the thing, ask the thing, you know, like, this guy's a billionaire. No one deserves to be a billionaire. Let's figure this out. What solutions do you have? I don't know. Yeah, but I'm going to call but, out what I see yeah, as yes, wrong. But I think this is absolutely... Like, very when, well put. When people were ending, when abolitionists started actually changing the tides of America and slavery was coming to an end, it caused a civil war in our country. And it was a long and bloody battle. A terrible battle. A terrible civil war. But I think everyone, obviously, if you're in this room, would say, oh, I'm glad we don't have slavery anymore. Um, at least we sanctioned state slavery. <laughs> we do it in an underground way, but sanctioned state slavery is illegal, which is fantastic. But we still have more slaves today than we ever had. That's not because of percentages, it's because the population is so much bigger. Um, I don't know what the percentage of slaves were during those times in America. I'm sure we could Google that and figure it out. But that's not the point of this podcast. <laughs> we're not doing that right now. But when you see something that's wrong and you point it out, it does something to other people. And usually the people that are benefiting from it are the ones who complain the most and fight the most and dismiss you the most. So when we talk about billionaires, like people be like, no, he, he made a billion dollars. He deserves it. No, he doesn't. No one deserves that much money. For what? What do you need? What do you possibly need? A new bionic body? Like, what are you doing with that money? A house in every country. How many billionaires are in the world now? Like, too many. About, like, how many of them? And not one of those assholes has become Batman yet? Fuck them. Yeah. Would you take away Tony Stark's billions? No! There's no more Iron Man? No, Iron Man deserves it. Yeah, if if one of those assholes became Iron Man and did that shit, I'd be like, this guy maybe made it. Like, okay. He might be the Jesus. So there's an exception. There could be. <laughs> Jesus billionaire. Yeah, there could be a Jesus totally billionaire. Stark. <laughs> I look at you doing like the throat cut motion. Like someone cut me off. Someone cut me off. Well, I think it's getting late. I'm tired. I know my daughter is tired. Yeah, um, it's four in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Why did you lay your kids out this late? I don't know how, how much it's going to edit down to, but we've been here for six hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't really. Ha ha. No. Oh, thanks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 hey, somebody has to be a parent here. Somebody you has to be a parent. Do you want to do recommendations? Yes. I wanted to do recommendations. You took the words out of my mouth. Oh, Angela, you're still here. Oh, yeah, hi. Um, I didn't really have a lot to say on Prophecy. I'm not really familiar with it. I never grew up in it. I only had that one weird interaction. 
And as an atheist, I don't really believe in prophecies. So I yeah. was like, I'll just take a back seat on this one. That's fair. Like I should have done. Do you have some recommendations? I do have a recommendation, actually. Um, I was driving to meet one of my friends, one of my best friends in the whole world. Um, I met up with her yesterday in a, in a suburb about 40 minutes away. And um, I have a song to recommend. Um, It's one of my favorite songs in the whole world. It is absolutely batshit crazy. Um, It's called The Bullfrog Blues by the Legendary Shack Shakers. Um, The Legendary Shack Shakers are the sweet, like, punk rock rockabilly band. And I think one of their best songs ever is called Bullfrog Blues. Um, It's off the album Cockadoodle Don't. Um, it combines, like, punk rock, rockabilly, surf guitar, it has amazing screaming, psychotic laughter, a harmonica solo, (laughs) it is such, such a good song, it's like, every time I listen to it, like, I cannot, I never get sick of it, like, I can listen to it six times in a row, and it's so good, it's so well-crafted, and all of that, like, Bonkersness that's being combined with like the punk rock rockabilly. He's screaming and laughing and then has this wicked harmonica solo. And I saw them do it live actually a couple of years ago at Memory Lane's Block Party. And it was, it was just as unbelievable as it is on the album. It was so fun. So please, everyone who's listening to this, look up Bullfrog Blues by the legendary Shack Shaker. Awesome, thank you for that. Anybody else? I'll, I'll take Angela's cue and I'll recommend the song Wooden Heart by Listener. He's a solo artist. His name is Dan Smith. Um, I think he was kind of in this post-Christian vein that our podcast would probably qualify under before it was cool. He's very... Like, in all the interviews with him, um, post maybe... Two, early 2000s, he's very vague about his spirituality. Before that, he was in like a DC Talk-esque kind of Christian rap band that was very on the nose, evangelical, like, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But now... <laughs> the B-I-B-L-E. Oh, that's the book for me. Yep. Word up. I stand alone on the word of God. God, are you listening? Did you hear that I shouted you out? Wow. It's the house. Oh, wait. No. Oh, wait. Just kidding. God, are you there? It's me, Margaret. But, um, yeah, no, Dan Smith, listener, the song Wooden Heart, it's my favorite song in the world. It has been for me about five years. It makes me cry every time I listen to it. I'll listen to it on repeat, like, five times in a row and just be sobbing my eyes out. This guy has a grasp on spirituality, the void of spirituality, and just community. Which is, I think, synonymous with church, which which kind of came up today. But uh, yeah, that's, that's my plug. Great, Josh. Do you have any recommendations? Nope. Nope. Um, I'm going to recommend my friend's podcast because it brings me joy. So, first of all, air grievances. I know we've talked about it before, but Caleb's podcast is pretty sweet, and you just interviewed your newest person. You want to see who that was? Yeah, his name is Corey uh, Perry Kimball. He's my manager at work at an anonymous seafood restaurant. But I listen to it. I know Josh listens to it. It's very 
It's very good. It's very thought-provoking. Definitely um, not what you would expect, probably from some of the people we interview or Caleb interviews. So I highly recommend it. And then I want to recommend Josh and Angela's side hustle, side gig. Um, two atheists go to church. So good. Um, I, so good. I, not only is because they're good friends of mine, but it's freaking hilarious. I almost peed myself when I was at work. But then also... I'm so glad we made you almost pee yourself. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of easy to make me pee myself when I listen to podcasts. Um, it's true. It's true. I, I guess I just have a weak bladder. No, but, I, no, I just appreciate your transparency because... Yeah. You're doing a lot of people who are atheists would be like, why in the world would I ever want to step back? Exactly. You know, into a church, and you're you're very respectful when you go in there. You're not going in there and be like, oh, screw this, you guys all suck. You know, you just sit in the back as like silent observers, and you're just taking. You know, it's like you're doing research, and, and you're taking your research, and I think you're doing it in a positive way. And you're not saying all you Christians suck. You're just saying we're atheists. This is why, but we're also seeing where. Maybe you could even help Christians in some ways. Yes. You know, that's what I look at. Yes. It is like, you know, Josh and Angel both have said, you know, this is what we've missed about churches, this is what we miss about this, and maybe isn't this what church is supposed to be? So I look at someone who's still inside the church, still, per, you know, pursuing ministry, and I'm like, hey, not only are these my friends, but they're saying some really good stuff, you listen like some to good critiques. People. So long winded saying, listen to two atheists go to church. It's awesome. Out of the Attic Podcast. Out of the Attic Podcast. Yep. Also produced by Caleb. So yes. it's some good sauce. So listen this to Sunday it. Sunday we're going to a new church, a very liberal church mm. in southern Minneapolis. Um, I'm trying to remember. It's called like the... It's like in like a kind of like a garage. Like Oh, I like this. Um, and it's attached to like a restaurant slash venue called Hook and Ladder, and it's it like all I remember from the website is where the church with the great big door or something because they're in a garage and they talk about, but that's also saying like we have a great big door and they oh, describe they describe their church. They're like some people are under church, some people are over church. Some people are LGBTQ. Some people have just gotten out of prison. Some people have been in the church their whole life. You know, whatever. And they're like, we all come together and do this thing together. And I'm like, yeah. okay, okay. I'm interested. So we're, we're going to go there this Sunday and see. I think it'll be a nice change. I think we started out with hitting, like, the big mega churches, like, the cool hip places to go that we heard about in the cities, and this is, like, a little smaller and more, like, grassroots, so I'm I'm a little nervous because it's really easy to be anonymous at a megachurch, and here we probably won't be as anonymous. We'll probably just fit in. And She's got tattoos, she's in. <laughs> but, I mean, it'll be interesting being like, why are you guys here? <laughs> well, <laughs> we do a podcast. Well, and I mean, it's not just for, like, the podcast either, but I think yeah, it would be yeah. interesting being like, well, you know, we're not believers, but I mean, this, and seeing, and seeing kind of their reactions. So I think it'll be way more yeah. interactive, which will be kind of a cool change yes. to just hearing, like, oh, I saw this worship band, it was loud, and they were jumping around. See, I made a mistake at one so. church we went to, was 
I saw a girl and I'm like, oh, I know her. We used to work together at a Christian camp. And she's, she looked at me and she's like, I know you. We used to work together at a Christian camp. And she came over and she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, research. And she got so nervous. She was like, oh, about what? What are you yeah. researching? Like, I'm with where's the, the, where's my camera? I was, oh, camera three. Bert okay. Macklin, FBI. All I did was like, I was like, oh, no, no. We just go around different churches and give them... You know, feedback and how their service went and everything, and she's like, yeah. oh, "Oh, okay." So you're here yeah. representing Whoa. Jesus yeah. himself, yeah. Uh, and they had nothing to hide. And, and she she meant well, but I think when I said, "Oh, I'm doing research," right, right. she immediately was like, "Oh, did we do something wrong?" Yeah, yeah. it's a Minnesota right, guilt right. thing. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I need to totally. see you in my office, Caleb. Yeah, and the first thing you think is, "Oh, fuck." Uh, uh, office. Principal's office. Yeah, Minnesota like Minnesota's like if you're like, "Can I talk to you in my office?" Immediately, it's bad. Immediately, it's like. This is going to be a dumpster fire. Get fired. I'm going to get divorced. Oh yeah. Someone's oh, going yeah. to kill me. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> oh yeah. So, Someone's going to kill me. <laughs> like in yeah. Pink Panther, like when the father hops out of the fridge and shit. Like, yeah. Will you yeah. come? Why don't you get a sandwich out of the fridge? <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Oh yeah. Um, so I have a, I have a boss right now from Michigan, and he he'll be like, "Can I see my office?" And he immediately says, "Oh, you're not in trouble." Yeah, like you gotta give like it. Like he has to preface it. Yeah, he has to preface it. Yeah, it's like a from Minnesota. Like he'll text me, be like, "Come to my house, please. You are not in trouble." <laughs> <laughs> because it's so the disclaimer is longer than the message like, itself. If, if right. I, just, well, if I, just I promise to, you, you are not in trouble. Yeah, in Minnesota, yeah. if I just want to be like, "Can I see you privately for a second? The first thing you think is, "Shit." Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's a true story. Oh, God. oh yeah, true story. Uh, <laughs> this is not good. Oh yeah. Well, until next time, everyone. It was real. Prophecy was real. Um, it still is. I think we're going to end with that song at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, so will you shout out that song, Josh? Yeah. Uh, praise to Seth Martin and the Menders. The song is Amos. Great. We out.
day old bread and circuses to keep the sheep content. Oh, that Amos walking home some way. Oh, that Amos really had his say. Amos was a rebel, he was loud and he was bold. With a mouth like that, he never had much chance of getting old. against the system where the seeds of sin begin to those that made the worker slaves or stole the widow's might well, that's where Amos took his stand and where he pitched his fight here we go and oh that Amos walked a lonesome way oh that Amos really had his say Amos was a rebel he was loud and he was bold with a mouth like that, he never had much chance of getting old. Well, I'm thinking that Amos did not make too many friends. I reckon when his life began, he knew how it might end. Cause he called down priests and bureaucrats And he never cracked a smile And they say that he got murdered But I bet he died with style And oh, that Amos walked home some way Oh, that Amos really had his say The final game of compromise Was not a game he'd play No, it wasn't don't you wonder what old Amos just might preach about today? A post-Christian production.